I don't know who's in a worse spot right now, Adam or uh, the Aggies in maroon or orange. All right, welcome back, everyone. This is the Mainline Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Burton. Proud to be joined alongside by Corbin Polson. Unfortunately, guys, we do not have Adam with us tonight. Adam was at the local neighborhood Walmart picking up some rash cream and while waiting, accidentally got stuck in the blood pressure machine. And as of about five minutes ago, they have not been able to get him out yet. So, Adam, we're thinking of you, buddy. Wish you were here and look forward to getting you back next week. But for us who are here tonight who aren't playing hooky or caught up in the machine. Corbin, what's going on, man? How are we doing? Uh, crazy, crazy week. Uh, you know, just an insane amount of news to go through. You and I were talking on Monday, knew Adam was going to be out, and we were kind of like, what are we going to talk about? Uh, well, that quickly changed as of about 30 hours ago. So I don't know who's in a worse spot right now, Adam or uh, the Aggies in maroon or orange. I'm not really sure who's in a worse spot as of this moment. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, we got some exciting things to talk about. Yeah, we were definitely struggling to kind of come up with some topics and some segments to kind of fill the podcast with because, I mean, we're only 43 days away from kickoff. So it's coming fast, it's coming quick. But um, like you said, over the course of the last 24 hours, OU and Texas, they found themselves involved in some some news that broke the internet. Uh, And before we get to that, Corbin, for the listeners out there, we've got to update them on a massive recruiting weekend that happened just a few days ago, a big, big weekend for Lincoln Riley and company. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of things that would overshadow a special recruiting weekend as we had uh, last weekend. Obviously, all the news, the SEC has absolutely done that. But let's take a quick peek back. Uh, three commitments over the span of last weekend. Caden Helm starting us off, the 2022 tight end out of Bellevue, Nebraska. The number uh, 19 tight end in the country, according to Rivals, a three-star. Um, and typically would probably be a nice pickup. If these two guys, you know, didn't take all the uh, excitement from him uh, following up from that. So I believe on Saturday we had Trayon Webb, Jacksonville, Florida, four-star running back, number 56 overall player in the 2023 class. He was previously committed to Georgia. Uh, seems pretty locked in uh, with shutting down his commitment based on some things he's been saying, but I've heard that before, so we'll see. That'll be a recruiting battle to the end. And you've got Malachi Nelson number two overall player, number one quarterback in the 2023 class out of Los Alamitos, California. Uh, Tyler, three guys, all bringing you know, something drastically different to the table, two of them being 2023. Who are you excited about most and why? Well, it's got to be Malachi Nelson, first and foremost, another five-star quarterback. You know, that's Lincoln Riley. They, you know, he's the quarterback whisperer for a reason, and it just seems like OU is in this cycle right now where every two years it's it's Lincoln Riley landing the number one quarterback in the country, another five-star in a long line of this quarterback pedigree that Lincoln has, you know, made Oklahoma football so famous for over the last five to six years. But, no, uh, absolutely crucial to get Malachi. I think having him on board this early in the process, we're still – about 18 months away from from him actually signing to play football at Oklahoma, but having your quarterback, the leader of this class, in the in the boat early, him being able to go out there help pull, pull other guys into this class as well is fantastic. Trayon Webb, obviously, with all the news that's been going on here in the last 24 hours, OU, you know, hopefully making it into the SEC for OU just to not just compete in the SEC, but to ultimately, you know, compete for championships and win that league, you know, every so often. You've got to have guys like Trayon Webb, you know, four-star running back that chose Oklahoma over Georgia, over Alabama, over Ohio State. Big, big get 
for 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 Lincoln Riley and Demarco Murray, who's you know on a pretty big hot streak right now in running back recruiting. And then last but not least, guy that kind of got overshadowed this past weekend, Caden Helms. Anytime you can go in and get the number one player out of a state, that's fantastic. Um, throw on top of that, you're getting the number one player out of the state of Nebraska, a team that OU is scheduled to to take on this year, an old uh, an old rival from the from the Big Twelve Conference. Fantastic weekend for recruiting for Lincoln Riley and. I don't know. I'm I'm excited, man. It's 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 going to be fun. The roster's shaping up really, really well uh, to go along with these two recruiting classes that that Lincoln's trying to fill right now. Yeah, it seems like 2022 is closing out really, really nice. Uh, we'll see if you know you can end that class with a bang with some few guys are expected to commit over the next couple months. But I mean, could you ask for a better start in 2023? Uh, I mean, it's unbelievable what Coach Riley's doing. And uh, you know, let's get on with with the crazy news uh, of the week. Obviously, that has everything to do with OU Texas and the SEC. Uh, for those who maybe, you know, were off planet Earth for the last 30 hours, want to make sure and do a quick recap. So very strange looking back at it, kind of how this uh, schedule of events took place. Uh, so this week, for those who don't know, is SEC Media Days um, down in Hoover, Alabama. Honestly, right as Jimbo Fisher was taking the stage, a report comes out from Brent uh, Zwerman. Let's go with that one. Zwerman. Uh, Zwerman. Thank you. Um comes out saying OU in Texas has reached out to the SEC to join the conference. Um, on top of that, uh, Texas A&M's athletic director, Ross Bjork, in the building. Very yeah. strange. Funny how that, that worked out. Director. Yeah, funny how that worked out. Very strange, I've been told, that an athletic director goes down to SEC media days. Um, they obviously are very prepared with unofficial but kind of official statements from all of those Aggies down in Hoover, Alabama. And then I'll be honest, Tyler, at first thought, I didn't put much weight into it. I thought clickbait. Yes, it's Houston. Like they're going to know if something's going on, but like it just doesn't make sense on a lot of levels, which I have now drastically changed my thought process on. And then all of a sudden you go from the SEC commissioner having basically no comment, OU having no comment, Texas having no comment and you start to put the pieces together and you realize if this wasn't true, this would be shot down immediately. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't at all. Um, and then you got to love the, the orange up North, uh, Oklahoma state putting out a statement. I, I do have to read this <laughs> because I find it actually hilarious. Uh, we have heard unconfirmed reports that OU and Texas approached the Southeastern conference officials about joining the SEC. We are gathering information and we'll monitor closely. If true, we would be gravely disappointed. While we have a place, while we place a premium on history, loyalty, and trust, be assured we will aggressively defend and advance what is best for Oklahoma State and our strong athletic program, which continues to excel in the Big Twelve and nationally. Um, I think I can just simplify that and just say, "Oh shit!" was the response. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's basically, you know, the feeling that I got. You fast forward into yesterday evening, Jeff Ketchum from Orange Blood Rivals site for Texas, um, which has he has posted quite a few things that have not been totally accurate over the years, but posted a report OU and Texas are expected to inform the Big 12 in the next two weeks that the two schools do not intend to renew their TV rights agreement. The second point, which was huge, I think, in these conversations, is that Texas is prepared to say goodbye to the Longhorn Network. And that makes sense for a lot of fronts, which we'll get into. Following up from that, as of today, 
the Big 12 ADs and I believe the presidents were Correct. supposed to get on a call at 5 p.m. Central time. We found out late this afternoon that OU and Texas were not going to be on that call. Um, I've heard mixed reports. I've heard some things on uh, Twitter that said OU and Texas were invited. I've heard some other things with some high-ranking officials in the University of Oklahoma uh, academic side of things that said based on the bylaws, once OU and Texas made their intentions clear, they were not legally allowed to be on that call. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is more than smoke. This is more than a brush fire. This is a full blaze. And if we want to take a grand scheme of things, a big picture, I've heard this is going to have like a, a ripple effect in college athletics. No, this is a boulder being dropped in a puddle. This is completely destroying everything that we're going to know about college athletics. And while it is absolutely going to suck for a lot of schools and a lot of fan bases, I'm excited that OU's on the forefront of this. And you know what? As much as I hate them, I'm excited that Texas is there with us. Wow, where to even begin? Um, yeah. the, there's so many different layers to this, so many different directions that you can go with You know, trying to peel back you know, the, the ramifications and what's going to go on. But no, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you've got two massive brands in college football going to the SEC. So that's not just big for the uh, for the Big 12, losing two teams, not just big for the SEC, getting two iconic programs like Texas and OU if it does end up happening. But this has massive repercussions ac- across college football. I mean, we're no longer talking about, you know, potentially five Power 5 conferences. Is this the first domino to fall towards, uh, towards us um, moving more and more towards like uh, the super conferences, like what, what was talked about many, many months ago with uh, the Premier League and soccer uh, over in Europe. So, no, it, it's absolutely fantastic. But, Corbin, I would be remiss if I didn't start with our friends down in College Station. <laughs> it's just it's just so on brand that if anybody was going to leak this, it came out of the Houston Chronicle. Texas, they've got their news media sites. Austin American Statesman, you know, Orange Blood, they've got their sources. to If they wanted to leak this out, feels like they could have done that through their news organizations. Oklahoma's got the exact same thing here uh, here in Oklahoma City and in Norman. But the fact that it's coming from, from Texas A&M, it's just it's just so sweet. A, a, a team that's you know they left the Big Twelve for a specific reason. I mean, they left the Big Twelve to get away from Texas. They le- they they went away for the money, the conference stability, and to essentially be the only school in the state of Texas that's part of the Southeastern Conference. And now it's huge because A and M they no longer have the biggest recruiting advantage. You know, whenever they're going up and they're battling for kids that are, you know, in talks with wanting to play at Oklahoma, at A&M, at Texas, that SEC logo, that patch on their uniform, that is the number one thing that they're drilling into these kids' head. And now the fact that you're going to take OU Texas and put them in that same conference, it, it's a huge gut punch. That's all I can say to for, for our friends down at Texas A&M. It's got to be. Yeah, it's like um... – It's like if you grew up with two brothers and you had a house right in the middle of them both. And every day, the two older brothers would come in, they'd beat you up and they'd make you all bloody and punch you on the ground. And eventually you decide, you know what? I'm going to shift neighborhoods and I'm never going to see these guys again. And you get nice and comfy for about a decade. And all of a sudden, the two houses next to you in this brand new neighborhood go up for sale. And all of a sudden, guess who's deciding to move back in? Is the two older brothers, and they're going to yep. do the exact same thing as they did you before. There has to be, um, this has to be shocking. If I was an Aggie fan, I'd be pissed, right? Like, I wouldn't want this. If I was an Oklahoma State fan, I wouldn't want this. If I was anybody in the Big 12 mm-hmm. besides OU in Texas, I wouldn't want this. Mm-hmm. It's happening. 
Now, one thing we don't know is if it, if it will be OU and Texas heading to the SEC. What we do know is OU and Texas are done with the Big 12. That absolutely is, is a fact. So um, we got some questions, but one more point you know, from you, Tyler. There's one other thing that I wanted to point out. Again, when all this when all this news kind of broke yesterday and it kind of became more and more obvious that there's it's not just smoke, there is some fire to this story, there is some legitimacy to it. I heard from a couple different guys that, that I grew up with that ended up going to school at AM. And you're right, they are pissed. Has nothing to do with Oklahoma whatsoever, but they 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 pride themselves on being in the SEC. They they you know fought like hell to get out of the Big Twelve, just to essentially get away from Texas. That's been a cancer, it seems like, to the Big Twelve and even the Southwest Conference, going all the way back uh, quite a few years ago. But Corbin, them leaking this story the way that they did, it's pathetic to me. The fact that they would attempt to essentially this was their last ditch effort to try to shut this down, and you know we're a decade into Texas A&M's time in the SEC. A&M hasn't earned the clout to try to pull a move like this and, and stop an OU in Texas. A&M is not respected enough within the league to do that. So if you're the SEC and you can add programs like Texas and Oklahoma and two, these two teams that add value, and those are two particular brands that you can add to your league, you do it. You 100% got to do it. If the SEC wants this, then I'm sorry, AM, there's not a fucking thing you can do about it. It's going to happen no matter what. So, and um, and even a, a point further, there's nothing you can do about AM and you better vote yes. Exactly. Exactly. No. And yeah. so yeah, I think those are big points. But let's let's talk it through a little bit in a little more detail. We've got about five or six questions here. We're gonna dive into. We can we can spiral in a million different directions on these topics, but we're gonna do these are the ones we've identified that we thought were actually valid conversations to have with this news being so fresh. I guarantee by next week we will probably have a million other questions that we want to address on this pod. Mm-hmm. But let's kind of work it you know one by one. So question one, are we in favor of this move as OU grads, OU fans? Is this something we want? And here's here's kind of how I've broken it down is is what are some of the benefits from OU and what are some of the drawbacks from OU? And I'll be honest, the benefit side in my opinion out I mean, just crazy outweighs the drawbacks, but I'm going to walk them through kind of what I put together. Tyler, feel free to add anything or kind of expand on anything I mentioned. So first and foremost, shock and awe, it's money. That is that is the number one reason why this is happening. Okay, so uh, credit to Kerry Murdoch, Sooner Scoop, put out a tweet. OU's earning um, roughly $38 million from the Big 12, but the new SEC TV deal, 10 years, $3 billion um, with ESPN. ESPN bought out the single game weekend from the CBS spot for $3 billion. Uh, if I remember correctly, all the Big 12 package combined was like $2.6 to $2.8 billion. So yeah. for one slot every week is outpaying, the ESPN is outpaying the SEC for the entire um revenue that the big 12 is, is generating there. Oh, you would add somewhere between 25 and $30 or $30 million annually by joining the sec. Second point, better recruiting. I don't even think I need to expand on that. That one's pretty obvious. The best players are down there. And if they're not down there, they're going to play in the sec because that's the best conference, right? Quote unquote, best conference. I could argue that for another day. Renewed rivalries, I think is a, is a plus. You look at OU Texas, you look at Missouri, you look at AM, and then the new rivalries that can come between an Arkansas getting back playing, you know, these the teams that we've got. I think LSU is an easy team to be a rival with. Um, and I think honestly, depending on how the pods 
and the divisions break out. I can see us in Alabama, you know, two of the big time programs in college athletics becoming rivals down the way. Um, season tickets, Tyler, mm-hmm. home schedule sucks right now yep. in the Big 12. It sucks. And for at least, even if it's just a temporary excitement, for the time being, for the next five to 10 years, the home schedule will be much, much better. Increase season tickets, get butts back in seats, which, as we both know, is a huge issue right now, not only in Norman, Oklahoma, but across the entire country, except for what seems to be the SEC. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on, if we don't go and Texas does, we're screwed. Screwed. We will be left in the dust. And that is a bad, bad spot to be in. To no surprise at all, Josie's ahead of this. He's the best athletic director in the country. And he's on top of it. So that's a big one for me. And honestly, just for the humor of seeing the Aggies and the Pokes being upset, this makes it 100% worth it. Even if it doesn't come to fruition, I've enjoyed the uh, the crying tears and the out, you know, the uh, the backlash that we're getting from the Aggies again, both orange and maroon. So Tyler, as far as the pros are concerned, anything you'd add to that or want to expand on? Yeah, just to kind of touch on a couple of those things that you mentioned and, and provide a little bit more. I mean, no, like you said, money. In terms of in terms of, you know, long term stability for for OU and being able to move into a conference that, you know, it's it is strong. It does have a future. It is it is prominent. That's that's fantastic. It seems like the the forward thinking the Joe C is showing here in terms of putting the University of Oklahoma, as well as OU Athletics, in the best position moving forward, hands down, fantastic decision whatsoever. Better recruiting, don't even hit, don't even need to do that. You hit the nail on the head. And then just talking about you know season tickets, something that you and I can talk about almost better than anybody. You know, we were we were there in Oklahoma for for two to three years in that athletic department. We know what the drawbacks are when trying to sell. Some of the things that always came to the forefront when having conversations with fans trying to get them in the building. It's the it's the shitty it's the shitty home schedule. I mean, you just look at it this year. Outside of having Nebraska and Iowa State, not very good. And then you fast forward all the way to 2022, UTEP, Kent State, Baylor, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State. It's terrible. Yep. So now by going into the SEC, regardless of if it's split up into, you know, four pods featuring four teams or they split it up to what I hopefully turns out to be uh, an 18 West, 18 versus East. How how exciting, Corbin, is it going to is it going to be going to the stadium every weekend, knowing that you're about to watch OU play LSU, OU play Texas A&M, OU versus Ole Miss? So, in, in terms of the fan experience, it's going to make it a whole lot more exciting. It's going to make the viewership and and actually being at these games, the atmosphere is going to be phenomenal. I do have a couple different things that I that kind of gave me a little bit cause for concern. So maybe some drawbacks that I think, okay, OU, this is essentially what you're going to be leaving behind by going to the SEC. OU is going to be competing this year for their seventh straight conference championship. And OU fans, I know that you are so used to this dominance in your conference that OU has been doing over the last 20 years. It's not going to happen when you go over to the SEC. You're not going to win six straight conference championships, especially not with Nick Saban there. Now, do I think OU can be extremely competitive in the SEC? 100%. I couldn't say that maybe five, six years ago towards the end of Stoops' career. But now that you've got Lincoln Riley, you've got Alex Grinch recruiting, has substantially gotten better over the last three to four seasons, OU is built like an SEC team. Now, I want to see them get a little bit better in terms of the depth on the offense and defensive line. Defensive line has taken a huge step uh, over the last couple seasons, but this team is built to compete in the SEC, and it seems like they're ready to do that. And then the last thing, the path to the college football playoff. 
it's pretty good right now for OU in the Big 12. When you're when your conference, whether it's going undefeated, one loss, you win the Big 12, you're in. Going over to the SEC, it's going to be a little bit more challenging. Now I know that there it, it is, you know, it is good that they're going to be expanding to 12 teams. I think that that, you know, bodes well for a conference like the SEC where you're probably going to see three to four teams from that conference representing, you know, the three of those four spots uh, in the conference play, but you know, letting you know Oklahoma fans the dominance isn't going to be what it's been in the Big 12, but the the product on the field, the fan experience, the basically college football as a whole, if you're an Oklahoma Sooner fan, it's going to be so much better by going to this conference. And money talks, dude. Like it's it, It's got to be nice for that administration, for this athletic department, knowing that um, you're essentially going to be almost doubling the amount of money that you're going to be making year in and year out. And Corbin, we didn't even touch on – how good this is going to be for some of the secondary sports at Oklahoma, like softball and Patty Gasso and, you know, SEC softballs, you know, one of the best in America and um, what better team to add to that conference in softball than, than the Oklahoma Sooners. So no, uh, the, the pros definitely outweigh the cons in this one. And I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah. I, I want to echo what you mentioned about the secondary sports. Obviously football is, is King and it's the driver and all of this, but not only softball uh, women's gymnastics, um, it, mm-hmm. that's a huge step up in competition for the girls, which I know some people may, may not like, you know, the, uh, tougher competition. They want the trophies year and year. That's fine. Get out, get out. Competition makes you better. And if you're in a yeah. tougher conference, you perform better. And it really goes to show you, look at what's happening in the college football playoff almost every year. Who's coming in there. Who's winning it. It's the sec because mm-hmm. by the time they get there, they're battle tested like nobody else is. So I think that that will carry on in sports. Honestly, I think one one sport that will have potentially a huge benefit is probably baseball. Now, they may get beat up for the first few years in the SEC, but like at some point that will carry over to make the baseball program better um, because the SEC baseball is, is very, very talented. So um, I, I definitely think there's some some drawbacks. I think the Big 12 is better in other sports, but not any that are – you know, on the rise, eventually being profitable or making big time money like some of these others are. So um, I think that very much sums up kind of how how and why we're in favor of this move. Let's let's shift the perspective a little bit. I Go do ahead. have one more thing to, to ask you about. You talking about Texas and how, you know, devastating it would be if OU got left in the dust and the SEC ended up just taking yeah. Texas. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in my opinion right now, OU's the one that's holding all the cards. Texas, in my opinion, needs Oklahoma in order to to get into the SEC because right now, OU's the one that's providing all the value in terms of on-field success and being a blue blood, and I guess better way to phrase it would be more recent success and dominance in college football. Yes, Texas does have the resources. They do have all the money. They are in the state of Texas, but the SEC Network and the SEC Conference, they already have a pretty big footprint in the state of Texas with already having Texas A&M in the boat, so... Whereas I know that Texas or that the University of Texas um, definitely have some advantages that OU doesn't in terms of population, money, and resources, but in terms of football, what the ultimate driving force in that conference is, I think OU holds the cards in this situation. I've, I I agree with you yesterday. I disagree with you today. Okay. Um, I think I think there's a reason why OU and Texas are tied hip to hip because I think they both realize they need each other to make this happen, especially if we're going to go to the SEC. Why I say OU would be left in the dust, because here's how I would potentially be seeing this play out. Let's let's say they weren't tied to the hip. Let's say OU disappears from Big 12 Conference and does their own thing, and mm-hmm. Texas is left. 
Texas has the brand power to go independent and control themselves just fine if they wanted to. They no. do. OU does not. As much as I love this university, as much as I think we are a better athletic department than Texas, we don't. And we would be on a, a, excuse me, a ship that is sinking faster than it currently <laughs> is if Texas left. So I do think that this is um, this is a mixed bag where everybody be, can be happy. Nobody in this entire country that's a college football fan thinks Texas is going to walk in the SEC and start competing. I think most people, especially where our program is headed, think we can. But let's be honest, Texas is by far and away the most profitable athletic department in the country. Mm-hmm. And we bring possibly the best athletic department in the country as far as performance is, con- is concerned. So you take both those things, you package them into one, everybody sees dollar signs. Everybody. Texas Texas is number one in terms of revenue. Oklahoma is yep. number eight. So right. SEC want to add two top ten schools to go along with probably another four or five that are already in the conference. It's a no-brainer. It's a win-win for both parties involved. So, um, Yeah, right yeah. on that topic. So let's, let's shift the focus to the SEC side of things. Why would the SEC want to do this? It's a question I have heard all over the place. Some answers I agree with, some I don't. For me, if I'm in the SEC, unless I'm an Aggie, this is a no-brainer, mm-hmm. a no-brainer. And then echoing your point, USA Today article 2018-2019, so we're a couple years removed from this. So I'm sure there's been some changes. But I bet last year shook up everything with COVID and all the, the, the financial uh, factors that took place there. But let's, let's walk it through here. Um, money from Texas and a premier program from OU. Those are the two biggest selling points, I think, mm-hmm. uh, that come to the, to the table. So echoing what you said, Texas won at 2018-2019 and sitting around 20, uh, excuse me, $223 million in revenue. OU at eight at 163. What a sizable gap. Can we just pause mm-hmm. there? One through eight is a $60 million gap. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Um, then, then you start thinking, okay, who, who else would potentially the SEC go after that could, could try to match that? The only teams I could think of, yes, Notre Dame would be would make sense, but I don't think Notre Dame makes sense geography wise. Correct. Um, it, it's it's FSU and Clemson, and maybe even Miami, which I could not find numbers on. But FSU's at twelve at one hundred fifty two million, and this shocked me. I think this has probably drastically changed over the past three years. But Clemson was at twenty two. 22 at 133 million. So you're you're taking two big time profitable programs coming into the SEC. And I think probably even above that is the fact that OU and Texas aren't going to go elsewhere. Yeah. Because if you add OU Texas to the big 10, in my opinion, and I genuinely think I'm taking bias out of this, the Big Ten is just as powerful and just as brand heavy as the SEC. You could make an argument that if OU and Texas went to the ACC, that is just as big of an argument. It's not quite there, but you could you could bring it to the table. And But what this does by SEC securing OU and Texas, making sure nobody else gets anywhere close to the money they are going to be rake, raking in every single year. And in terms of money and competition – for me, it starts with the TV contracts. What's ESPN's biggest competitor in college football viewership? Wow. It's it's Fox Sports. Who's Fox Sports is one of their top two biggest cash cows? It's OU, it's Texas, it's Ohio State. So if I go further, yeah, it's the Big Ten and it's the Big Twelve. Correct. So not only would ESPN lose out on OU Texas coming to their market, mm-hmm. the Big Ten Fox all of a sudden get a huge upgrade. 
Exactly. And so if I'm ESPN and I'm the SEC and I can take the two two of the three cash cows with Fox Sports and bring them over to my side, it's a no-brainer uh, every single time. And also when you talk about we talk about the domino effect and what what this could potentially be leading to on a on a much broader scale in terms of college football is the fact that you are potentially rolling the dice and leading towards you've got these super conferences in college football where the power five could essentially dissolve down into four conferences altogether. So, um, but by, by the SEC absorbing Oklahoma and Texas and not allowing them to go to, like you said, the ACC, where I think if you could get Florida State to come back to what they were, if you could get Miami to come back to what they were, with we've seen the rise of Clemson over the last 10 years or so, North Carolina is making a strong effort. You put those two in there, maybe a Notre Dame, ACC is looking pretty damn good compared to the to, to the SEC. So no, them being able to the the SEC being able to snatch up OU and Texas to go along with what they already have. Again, SEC doesn't need them, but boy, would they sure like to have them. And it, you know, they already have a strong grip on college football. This this just cements it even further. So no, it's it, it, it's a no brainer for them to take OU and Texas. They'd be stupid not to. Yeah, a couple other smaller reasons. We know SEC likes to pound his chest about everything. Them being the first super conference with 16 teams, I think is something they would absolutely want to bring to the table. You got a point there? I was just going to say, we got a, t- a tweet just a second ago from, from Dylan Buckingham. I'm told the Big 12 will be releasing a statement soon on today's call. I'm also told the call featured a lot of angry athletic directors. Discussion ranged from ramifications and possible penalties, penalties if OU and Texas leave. Uh, to even expanding the conference, among other things. So Sheesh. To, be a, yeah, to be a fly on the wall in that room, in that yeah. meeting that just took place. But no, it's yep. it's not, not to interrupt you there, but that's that's some big developing news right there. I'm sure we will continue to be interrupted throughout the pod, uh, you know, with different tweets and stuff coming through. So uh, a couple other things, you know, why SEC would want this. Um, deeper recruiting routes in Texas and more TVs in Texas. Um, you got to think, I, I kind of mentally did this. I have no facts to back this, but I would say probably A&M has 20, 25% of the market in Texas. I would probably say Texas has probably closer to 40. I think that's probably fair, maybe even 50. That's how big that brand is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would think OU's probably in that 10 to 15%. So now all of a sudden you're taking um, – eyeballs of about 25% of that audience. And now you're adding about 55, 60% more. So now all of a sudden you're looking at about 80% of the audience in Texas for eyeballs. You can't tell me that ESPN is not like whatever you want. Check. We'll make it like we can handle that. Um, and I think the last thing is, is similar to what we mentioned before is, is who else would bring this brand recognition to the sec that, that would be available when OU left and to me, it is, it's literally, it's Florida State, it's Miami and Clemson. And I can't think of anybody else that makes sense. And to me, there's no way in hell they are adding two more Florida teams to the SEC. No. And there's no way in hell they're adding Clemson to the SEC. It just makes no sense. There's no additional recruiting. There's hardly any additional eyeballs. It just doesn't make sense. These are the two perfect fits. If the SEC is going to expand, these are the two perfect fits for it. You were talking about just a second ago deeper recruiting routes in the state of Texas. You know the SEC; they've kind of got a, a pretty good uh, grip on it right now. Max Olson put this out just a little while ago. Over the last eight years in college football in the state of Texas, in terms of recruiting, forty-eight percent of four and five stars went out of state. Thirty-six percent of four and five stars signed with the SEC. If you take the four and five stars that signed with OU in Texas and combine that with what the SEC's done in the last year. 
you've got 67% of the elite talent in the state of Texas. We know how big the Texas is a hotbed. It's, it's the biggest, uh, it's the best high school football in the country. So the fact that you're going to have almost 70% of the four and five star kids in that state playing in the SEC, it's, it's, it's mind blowing how, what, what this would do, what the impact would be by bringing OU and Texas on board uh, into the Southeastern conference. It would be huge. Yeah. Would be huge. Um, Let's move on to maybe a, a perfect segue with, with Buckingham's tweet just a second ago is, is what happens to the Big 12? And now I'm going to eliminate the if in this question, but when you <laughs> yeah. in Texas leave? It's very evident now, like I said, the start of the pod. If it's not the SEC, it's somewhere else. It's mm-hmm. going to be the ACC or it's going to be the Big 10. Um, but what happens to the Big 12 if they're two thoroughbreds leave the conference and really i see this as is two two pass they either eliminate themselves as a power five which i think is is inevitable mm-hmm. or and they and they try to add other teams and become an american conference you know something along those lines or they crumble and all of the teams in the big 12 maybe besides one or two they disperse into um into other super conferences, whether that be the ACC, Pac-12, Big Ten. How do you see it playing out? Again, there's there's so much money involved, but then when the, when the fact that you look at the Big 12 is going to be losing their two breadwinners from this conference, and we've talked about it time and time again, even though Texas has struggled over the last decade or so, Oklahoma's been the one that's been carrying this conference and keeping it afloat. Um, you know, dating all the way back to the mid two thousand. So, I, I like you said, it could go one of two ways. If if the Big Twelve decides that they want to try to hang on and they want to try to go out and grab schools like a, an SMU, a Cincinnati, a Memphis, something like that, to try to bring them back on board to stabilize the conference, that could be an option. I kind of feel like that's the direction that they're going to have to go because, in all honesty, I can't think of a home for a lot of these teams that that are going to be left in, in, in the Big Ten. I mean, Oklahoma State. Texas Tech, I think geographic-wise, Pac-12 could be a play. We don't know what's going to happen with the Pac-12 in the next three to four years. So I think those are two schools that have an opportunity there. West Virginia, geographically speaking, I think that the ACC might make sense for them. Um, I think they could be a middle-of-the-road you know, program athletic-wise. Basketball would be competitive. Football would be competitive. Um, they would definitely be as competitive as like Georgia Tech and Boston College. So that kind of makes sense for them. TCU, Baylor, I don't really know what to do with them. Kansas State, I don't know what to do with them. Kansas, they're the laughing stock of college football every single year, but you would have to think that some conference would take a chance on them just because of the basketball program altogether and the brand that that is and the amount of attention that's paid to Jayhawk basketball year in and year out. But no, Iowa State's another one that I don't know what's going to happen with them. I mean, does the Big Ten take a chance on them when they've already kind of got – um, you know, the the state of Iowa locked up, you know, talking about the viewership and the amount of eyeballs that are um, on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Do they take a chance to bring in Iowa State? I don't know. So it's the, the like you said at the very beginning of this podcast, it's a lot deeper than just OU and Texas leaving yes. the Big 12, going to the SEC. The repercussions from this, it's a domino effect that's going to it's going to affect everybody no matter what conference you're in, because there's going to be a lot of changes moving forward. Yeah, there's and part of the reason I'm sure there's a lot of angry athletic directors because there's a few of them right now that are staring at extinction. I mean, like, this is the beginning of the end. And maybe they can still have an athletic department, but it's not going to be in a Power 5 conference, and they're not going to have the access to be, you know, 
even, I mean, most of those teams wouldn't have the opportunity to play in a college football playoff or a national championship now, but certainly not after this is done. And we're going to get into it team by team here in just a little bit, but I have a feeling, oh, I have no, I have no idea. I have no idea what the Big 12 is going to do because nobody they can add is going to increase the revenue of the conference or going to provide the brand recognition that OU and Texas provide. So I have literally no idea what the you, Big 12 is going to do. I think they dissolve. You almost have to wonder, though, if schools like Oklahoma State and maybe even Iowa State right now, as good as they are with what Matt Campbell's doing, you almost wonder if they would do anything and everything possible to keep the Big 12 alive because OU and Texas are out. They might be saying right now, okay, we have a shot uh, at actually being competitive and maybe winning a championship in our conference if they are able to keep uh, to keep the Big 12 afloat. And Corbin, we all we obviously the story broke yesterday with with OU and the, the SEC, but you've got to you've got to wonder just how far back, how long ago these discussions started taking place. And we talked about just at Big 12 Media Days, just you know one to two weeks ago. Bob Bowlesby kind of made the comment, kind of took a stab at OU when talking about the TV contracts, and we all know how um, displeased and how frustrated Oklahoma fans, especially Josie and Lincoln Riley, have been when talking about the TV, uh, you know, broadcast times, what time the networks have us on television. You think right now, Corbin, if Bob Bowlesby could go back in time, he might push a little bit harder to move that OU-Nebraska game out of that 11 a.m. time slot? Uh, maybe. You think it's deeper than that? I think it's deeper than that. Because I think I think that's probably just the the straw that broke the camel's back on that. Probably, one. but here's the thing: like I, I wouldn't expect OU to have straight night games because they joined the SEC. Like, there's going to be plenty of of 11 a.m. kicks that OU is still going to have to deal with. The thing is, is I'm going to be a little bit more excited to show up to an 11 a.m. kick if we're playing an LSU or an Auburn or a Florida than we are with a Kansas State, an Iowa State, or even an Oklahoma State. To be frank, and as much as that rivalry is fun. Give me the big boys, right? Like we've carried this conference's ass for years. Mm -hmm. It's time for us to go find other um, programs that have just as much weight and to be frank, if not more weight in college athletics to help carry the load of this. It doesn't have to be just us anymore. And I think that is probably the real deciding factor. And the idea like Bowlesby said they weren't interested in potentially bringing on more teams into the Big 12. How can you not? (laughs) <laughs> you hear like every it was a decade ago we started talking about super conferences. Yep. This isn't news. You had to go find some. And if I was the Big Twelve, I would have walked up to Notre Dame and said, "How much? How much? We'll pay it. How much? You have to go if you're the Big Twelve and you only have two teams that really can carry you, and one of them really sucks at football lately. You got to go find another one. You got to go find a third that can bring in that TV money. It may have made not." It may have not made any sense whatsoever, but you had to at least try. And to our knowledge, obviously we know very little of what takes place in a lot of those meetings. To our knowledge, there was zero effort to try to bring on anybody else. It's just one of those times where OU fans, we've talked about it, I guess, for the last 20 to 25 years, how thankful how thankful we are that we've got the leadership in place at OU like we do with Joe Castiglione and the fact that, you know, essentially – I guess he just got fed up with the fact that okay, we've been carrying this conference for the last 10, 15 years, and we're got we're not getting the uh, the compensation for it. We're not getting the respect that we deserve for it. So okay, screw it. We're going to go somewhere else. So the fact that OU was looking out for themselves and their well being for the future of this program and this university, 
um, extremely happy with uh, with the outcome if it turns out like what we think it's going to do yeah. uh, with OU joining this conference. So. I think there are two things that really probably put this into motion more than the rest. One, the Big 12 sent um, their rights party to ESPN and Fox about the 2025 deal, uh, wanted to start talking about negotiations early on that, mm-hmm. and ESPN said, no thanks, we can wait. And when ESPN just went and did a $3 billion deal for a one game a week, right after, even before a pandemic, mm-hmm. and they tell the Big 12, like, huh, we're good. We can wait for a little bit to start talking about this. That's I think that's a big one. And the second one is the fact that David Borden is no longer president at the University of Oklahoma. If you go back and you start to hear certain rumblings mm-hmm. of why – and I'm really glad it didn't happen now, but why OU didn't act this way when the realignment took place 10 years ago, a lot of things point towards David Bourne wanting to keep the Big 12 together, wanting to make sure Oklahoma State stayed tied to OU. That complicates things. Yeah. The, more, the more hands you put in the pot, the less room there is to move. Yeah. And so I think you finally have um, – I don't think Joe's probably changed his stance, if I had to guess. But I think you probably have now a president at the University of Oklahoma and Joe Haraz that is like, we're going to do what's best for OU. Mm-hmm. And that's how we're going to do this. And so that's why I think this has kind of changed. But let's, let's switch to the focus here for, for a quick second. Because I do think while we are an OU pod, taking into account what happens to Oklahoma State next is very intriguing to me. Um, and so I would love your thoughts on two things. One is if you were a betting person – where do you see Oklahoma State ending up? And two, does Bedlam stay alive if we are in two separate conferences? I would love to see Texas get left out, left hung out to dry, and uh, OU and Oklahoma State um, end up in the SEC. I know that that was, I know that that was originally part of the talks whenever this conversation started being had. But no, if if the Big Twelve does dissolve. I think it does make sense maybe for them to go to the Pac-12. I mean, they're a good enough football program where I think they could be competitive in that conference whatsoever. As far as continuing the rivalry game, we can call it a rivalry, big brother, little brother, um, I would love, whether it's uh, in the non-conference play early in the season or maybe uh, the second to last weekend of the year when the SEC is so famous for scheduling these FCS opponents like the Citadel and things like that, um, I would probably much rather watch OU play Oklahoma State instead of watching OU play, you know, Southwest Missouri Southern or something like that. So I may not feel that way after uh, OU being part of that SEC schedule week in and week out. But no, if there's a way that you can do that, I don't want to see this rivalry turn into what A and M and Texas did over the last, you know, yeah. ten years or so. Let's keep it alive. It's good for both programs and it's good for the state and it's good for the people living in it as well. Yeah, I'm not sure where Oklahoma State ends up. To me, I, I don't know if the Pac-12 makes a lot of sense unless Oklahoma State is part of the three other Texas teams going with them. Um, I don't think Oklahoma State for the Pac-12 is a take by themselves. I think if the Pac-12 was smart, they would go after, and we're going we're gonna to get into this here in a little more detail, they're going to go after the three Texas teams in Oklahoma State. That's That would make sense for me if I'm the Pac-12. But where I think Oklahoma State probably will land is I lean more towards the ACC. I don't know why. I don't have a, a rhyme or reason why that would be the case. But you look at what the ACC's options might be. Oklahoma State's got to be pretty high on that list by the time all this shakes out. So that's kind of where I'm leaning towards at the moment. But I think that could change if the Pac-12 decided to go after all three Texas teams and Oklahoma State to form a 16-team conference out there. As far as 
Does Bedlam stay alive? I mean, you have Florida, Florida State non-conference. You've got Georgia, Georgia Tech non-conference. You've got Clemson, South Carolina non-conference. Mm-hmm. OU will not be the one to make the call on whether this game stays alive or not. It will be solely on the pokes. And if they want to continue playing the University of Oklahoma, my gut says they say no. Is there any chance, is there any way that we would live in a world where Oklahoma State would choose to join the American Conference with the SMUs, with the Cincinnati's, with you know University of Houston, Memphis, things like that? Is there a world where they could possibly, I, I guess, essentially downgrade into that conference where it might be a little bit more suited for them or – I, I just think that with with programs or with conferences, the Pac-12 makes the most sense to me if you're talking about the Power Five. The ACC, I don't like it from a geographic standpoint. I think that people kind of figured out with West Virginia joining the Big 12 how much kind of a pain in the ass that is. I think if you allowed West Virginia to go back in time, they probably wouldn't have done it. That essentially puts uh, Oklahoma State in this exact same shoes as them. So um, I don't know. Uh, the American might be something for, for them to consider. That would be the death of that of that athletic department is if they went to the American Conference. I mean, just that would be absolutely brutal. I think it's possible. I think that is one of the last case scenarios. Yeah. If you if you're a higher up at the university or Oklahoma State University, you have you've got to find a super conference mm-hmm. or your athletic department will severely suffer. And I think that's where I think that's where we're headed. It is the super conference route. And yep. All right, so let, let's shift here and, and kind of exactly on on point of where we potentially see these quote unquote super conferences aligning, who goes where. I think we're gonna have some differences on how we view what may take place. Um, and this is all just gut feel, right? Like we have no idea. We're just being college football fans right now. Mm-hmm. Um but let's break it down one by one on the on the conference level, right? So SEC currently at 14 teams. If they end up do adding OU and Texas, 16 teams, SEC's full. Okay. Big 10 right now is sitting at 14 teams and they need two, right? Mm-hmm. And what I think is different this time around than what we had a decade ago is I don't necessarily believe that mid-major schools and group of five schools will be called up. I think that's going to be very rare that they're going to be called up into a power conference. I think you'll see a bigger spread off of where these teams are located and what their markets are. That's going to be the two focuses right now. And let's be honest, group of five, I don't know how many of those teams are either that really move the needle on that front, but we'll take it one at a time. Big team needs two teams. Who are they going after and who do they get? I would go after Iowa State, and you have to say Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's a lock to go to the ACC. Um, I think that the, they got it. No money, money, and the Big Ten's got a whole lot more of it than than the ACC does. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would absolutely love to see that. I mean, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan would be fantastic. I guess you could throw Iowa State. Um, Notre Dame in there. Um, but again, talking about, you know, maybe some of the non power five programs, I, I, if I'm Ohio state, I would maybe give Cincinnati a look. I think that they're playing extremely well. I think that that could be geographically wise. It makes perfect sense for Cincinnati to be added to it. But I mean, if, if they want to, if they want to break out the checkbook and back up the Brinks truck to South Bend, Indiana, it's, it's Notre Dame number one. And, best other team playing football right now in this conference, Iowa state, 
Cincinnati. Cincinnati would be a good one too. I'd probably go Notre Dame Cincinnati. I don't know how much of a difference it would make, but if it's 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 kind of similar in a lot of respects to not pissing off OU or Texas, not pissing off Alabama. Do you want to piss off Ohio State by adding Cincinnati? Because I think it would. In my opinion, it would. Ohio State doesn't have to deal with any other big schools in their state as things stand right now. Yeah. I think they'd want to keep it that way. And so to me, it would make more sense. If you add Notre Dame, your brand recognition is as good as it's going to get. Nobody else across the country can you add that actually would come that would would bring more recognition than what you're going to get with Notre Dame. Right. You've got that locked. So to me, now it's adding uh, a team that makes sense, but a team that's not going to infringe on your big boys. And to me, that's why Notre Dame and Iowa State make the most sense. I'll hold up with Notre Dame, though. With the playoff expanding to 12 teams, does Notre Dame have to join a conference? or they Can they continue to be just as successful as an independent, especially with the playoff expanding? They, Based on how things stand today, they can stand independent. Mm-hmm. Based on how things may look next week, I would be, I would not be surprised if the ACC is like, "Hey, Notre Dame, listen, love you, appreciate this whole like football only, basketball only agreement mm-hmm. we've got. You're either in or you're out mm-hmm. because we have to go find 16, and we would love that to be you. But if it's not going to be you, we're gonna have to part ways. Yeah. And so I think between the ACC and the Big Ten, Notre Dame's gonna have to pick one. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, you've had your your fun of being this powerhouse independent. Now it's time to get on board because things are changing. Right. It's a good point. Valid point. Yep. What, do we get, what do we got next? Uh, uh, Big 12. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm under the impression that Big 12 is eliminated. And I think we need to assume that based on yeah. how the rest of this is going to play out. So we're going to go forward with assuming the Big 12 is no longer a conference. Mm-hmm. Right? And even if it is, they're taking small teams – and at that point, I don't even know why the small teams would switch because that's already what they are. So yeah. I think that's just that's another conversation for another day. ACC, 14. You need two. I think it's very similar argument to the Big Ten. Notre Dame has to be one of the ones you go after. Has yeah. to. You back, you back up the Brink trucks to Notre Dame. But this may be the hardest one of them all. Then who? And I have no idea. Well, the only one off the top of my head that makes sense, and again, it's all based off location, it's West Virginia. And I think that Notre Dame, essentially that's going to be the one that whichever decision that they make, that's going to ultimately impact what the rest of the conferences do or Super Leagues if it gets to that point whatsoever. Um, West or Notre Dame, they're already part of the ACC in basketball, so I think it, it kind of is an easier transition for them to move into ACC play in terms of the football schedule. But I think West Virginia makes a lot of sense too. I think that that athletic department, I mean, what Huggy's got going up there with basketball, that slides in nicely with into the ACC brand of basketball. Uh, and then with football, um, who's to say that that team couldn't be, you know, towards the, the middle or the upper half uh, of the ACC football play, especially when we've seen programs like Florida State and Miami that have been down over the last, you know, 10 years or so. So let's let's play this out a little bit. So based on what happens with Notre Dame, if Notre Dame goes ACC, are we saying that the Big Ten goes Iowa State and Cincinnati? That's that's just that's such a hard thing to do because like what we talked about, they already have a big footprint in the state of Iowa with the Hawkeyes. 
they already have that part of the country locked up in terms of viewership, Big Ten Network, things like that. I don't know if you need to add Iowa State or if you need to branch out and go to a different state or go to a different part of the country to um, you know, try to essentially, I guess, grow your conference brand in that particular region. So Iowa State's a difficult one. And, I mean, to be honest, I, I really don't know if Cincinnati's a big enough draw. If if Ohio State would want to do that, you'd have to think that uh, Ohio State would be the, you know, the, the have the biggest seat at that table. They'd have the most say-so. Um, but it'd be interesting. Notre Dame's the, the key player for sure. West Virginia could swing to either two, right? I mean, they're in the geo- – Geography-wise, that makes sense for either conference. Um, and so let's say Notre Dame goes Big Ten. Is then the conversation West Virginia and and is it Cincinnati? Cincinnati makes more sense for the ACC because, yeah. of, because of the market. Yeah. Yeah. Could I mean, could very well be the case. I mean, yeah. the fact that you get to move a little bit closer to the Midwest um, – but at the end of the day, man, like whether it's Ohio State or it's Michigan, Clemson, Florida, whatever, they're going to go. They're, they're a national brand. They're going to go recruit wherever they want to. So yep. how, mu- how much it plays a, a, an effect, I'm not sure. Yeah, that was more about TV eyeballs. True. Um, ACC adding Cincinnati, I think, is, is significant. Um, mm-hmm. let's, go on, let's go to the last one. That obviously is the Pac-12 and maybe the most, maybe the most intriguing conference of them all because what for about two decades now we've been pretty confused about what the Pac-12 mm-hmm. has been doing. Um, they need four, and you look around and you're like, "Where do they get four? Here's my if I'm an Oklahoma State fan, here's my fear because I do think the Pac-12 makes the most sense for Oklahoma State. I don't think Oklahoma State ends up there, and here's why: if you're the Pac-12. You've got to get into Texas. Have to. Have to. You take Baylor, TCU, and you take um, Tech. Here's my only concern about those three is the fact that Baylor and TCU are both private, quote-unquote, religious Christian schools. Yeah. I can see that being an issue. That That's three. And then I think you take BYU with your fourth. And in that scenario, Oklahoma State is left out to dry in the middle of the country with zero power conferences of any kind whatsoever around them. That is worst case scenario for the fans up in Stillwater. In terms of the overall success of the athletic department, every sport being competitive and being good, I think that out of all the teams that you just mentioned, Oklahoma State's the best by far. If there's one thing that's I think that would keep Oklahoma State out of a conference like the SEC, it's the fact that football is not quite up on par. But basketball, softball, eyeballs. baseball. Eyeballs. I, I still think that Oklahoma State would be too good. It would be too appealing uh, of an item for the Pac-12 to, to, to pass up. But, no, you make a really good point about uh, the Pac-12, you know, getting their foot in the door in the state of Texas. Texas Tech makes a lot of sense with where they're located in the state. Yep. TCU is another one as well. If I had my choice, I'd probably go with TCU instead of Baylor because I like where TCU is located at in that DFW area. BYU is another really good one as well. Re- really good, really passionate fan base. A lot of eyeballs uh, whenever that team plays uh, during the week. So I would go OSU, TCU, Texas Tech, and BYU to round up my top four. And that's not a bad conference. Um, no. I mean, Baylor, Baylor's left out to dry. Well, they can join the American and play Houston and SMU and all that. So it yeah, serves it makes, them right. Makes sense. I I think if if I'm the Pac-12 though, I'm trying to get as many brands in Texas as like as I can. 
Yeah. And that's why I would lean towards taking all three of them because you add those three, all of a sudden now you've got a presence while small, you've got a presence in DFW, you've got a presence in West Texas, and you got a presence, what, Waco's between Houston and Dallas? I mean, geography-wise and kind of if you want that that last 15 to 20% of the market in Texas is up for grabs, Mm -hmm. that's a way to go grab them because right now I can tell you Pac-12 has zero influence in the state of Texas. And if you're going to go in, you better take as many as you can. Maybe even they go after Houston. Yeah, yeah. That's a fantastic market to get in. Let me ask you one question, though. And this is one team that we have not talked about at all. What the hell do you do with Kansas State? I don't know. What what does Kansas <laughs> State bring to the table? And and I nothing really. Yeah. I mean this is the whole the whole situation regarding this entire podcast is you're starting to see the separation between the haves and the have-nots. And unfortunately, if you look at a Vanderbilt you look at a Ole Miss, you look at a Rutgers, you look at a Oregon State, they're going to be looped into the halves just because they were in the right place at the right time yep. decades and decades ago. Yep. And unfortunately, for a K-State, maybe even a Kansas, we hadn't talked about Kansas at all, and they've got one of the premier basketball programs in the entire country, a Kansas, a Kansas State, a Tech, a Baylor, you probably should be in the halves, but you were at the wrong place at the wrong time and you may be left, you know, on the outside looking in. Hell dude, Baylor won the men's basketball national championship last year. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And that's they right. could easily be out of a super uh yeah. conference. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. crazy to think about. I mean you're essentially you're gonna find out real quick what conferences or these super leagues, what do they prioritize? What's important yep. to them in, in terms of choosing uh what which program they want to you know have join their organization. Uh, for lack of a better word, but no, it's like you said, we, you you hit it, you hit the nail on the head. As soon as we started this, it's a lot deeper than just OU and Texas changing conferences. This yeah. this has sent a shockwave across the, the the landscape of college football and college athletics as a whole. Yep, it's amazing. Around this time last year, you could single handedly thank the Big Twelve for us having a college football season. Mm-hmm. And around this year in twenty twenty one, you can single handedly thank the Big Twelve for disrupting everything that we thought we've known about college athletics. And I would imagine by this time next week, we're going to have a lot more to talk about, yep. a lot more to digest. And what we enjoy doing most is just doing hypothesis this, fandom this, mm. random you know, rumor this. That's the most fun part about what we do here. And we're going to be doing that for quite a while on this topic, I think. And what's been the common factor in talking about COVID, us playing football last year? Big 12 taking a step towards, you know, making changes across college football. Yep. It's Joe Clistiglione, and it's the leadership here at the University of Oklahoma. So, absolutely fantastic. Corbin, you got anything else before we get out of here? I think we've talked enough, man. That was fun. Okay. That was fun. Absolutely. Well, again, appreciate you guys for joining us. Um, give us a five-star review. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Give us a review. Talk, us, talk to us about what your favorite parts are, what you want to continue to hear. Like we said, we're 43 days away from kickoff. We've got some really good coverage and content coming as we get closer and closer to OU's opener against Tulane happening on September 4th. Like and subscribe, five-star review. Give us a follow on Twitter. We love interacting with you guys and hearing some of your thoughts from the from the fan base um, here at the University of Oklahoma. But again, from Tyler, Corbin, Adam will be back next week. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Main Live Podcast.